Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Jizz Talking for a Sunday, Easter Sunday. How about that? We're here with the uh, the uh, main man, Mr. Big. Wayne Klingman is here, and Wayne is an author. He reached out to me a while back and said, you know, I've got some stories about um, about some stuff that may be interested uh, to your folks regarding the mob or the mafia and uh, the pornography business. And so I thought, okay, well, we'll fit a special time in for that. So I thought, no better time than Easter to talk about the mob and the mafia. So anyway, Wayne, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Real good, sir. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate this. Good. Let's talk a little bit about your background and how did you get interested in, in all of this? Well, I grew up in Milwaukee. I, I grew up in Madison. We kind of sort of knew about my guy, Frank, the Milwaukee guy, mafia guy. And forgive me, I'm not good with names. After my strokes, I don't pronounce names well. So forgive me that I, I avoid doing that. Um, and this guy just started reading about him. I did a movie about him. Um, my guy, Frank, out of Milwaukee. And out of that came the book. And it's been a wild ride ever since. Excellent. Excellent. everywhere, all the time. And now you've written several books. I have, sir. And uh, go ahead and give us those titles, the ones you've you've uh, written up. Well, the most interesting one for this audience would be Alias Mr. Big, which is my Mab Erotica, uh, set in 1920s and 30s. If you want a good story, historically accurate, Erotica, Thriller, about the Mafia and pornography, having a good old time, get that book. It's on Amazon. Um, I also do a book on serial killers called Dark Minds, Bully Hands. Um, one, a non-fictional book, Narcold Saints, about a group of people getting together to take out some really bad cartel people. There's, I also do a line of um, gambling books, all of them that can be found under my name. Excuse me, Wayne Klingman on Amazon. Right. And then you also, I was on one of your podcasts. You were. I was on the Milwaukee Mob podcast. You were on the Milwaukee Mob live stream. And get okay. Milky. Wow. Yeah. And uh, what what kind of an audience to have? Who's your who's your demographic on that? Who my demographic to... tends to be young men under my age. Everybody's underneath my age, by the way. Under my age, younger than I am, interested in mafia and organized crime. Okay. And then you've got uh, Mr. Big After Dark. What's that all about? Mr. Big After Dark is our look at Vegas as it should be. The old days, back in the day, it was Sin City. They got away from that somehow. They decided to make it family friendly. Why? I don't know. And we look at Vegas as it should be, in my opinion, the Sin City aspect. The gambling, the hat nights gambling, the hotels, the casinos, the crazy strip clubs, whole nine yards. What you can do as an adult after 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, I, I myself, I think there's places for young people. Uh, you take your kids, your family, you go to uh, Six Flags, you go to Adventureland, you go to Worlds of Fun. Um, if you're extremely old, you go to Branson. <laughs> I, uh, when I worked in radio, I took uh, 11 trips to Branson. Eight of them we called the Blue Hair Express, took the bus trips, and then three times I went on my own, and, and uh, it, it's kind of gone the stars don't want to play branson every night and every night and every night anymore they want to get out and travel whatever <clears throat> and i always thought that for the the adults ages <clears throat> maybe 40 to 75 let's say i always thought that was a vegas trip yeah. uh I, taking a kid to vegas to me seems so uh i i like i told somebody i said i thought you went on vacation well i did no i said you took your kid Anyway, to me, um, or, it, it, this is a personal opinion. I, my parents owned a bar. I grew up in a bar. I hated every minute as a child in a bar. Because what, what, what can a kid do in a bar? Nothing, right? You know, the pain in the ass. Everything focuses around the parents getting drunk. I'm tired of seeing drunk people as a kid. I can't imagine other kids would have that same experience. I can't imagine other adults want to see kids go through that. Leave your kid at home. Please leave it. You can't home. You can go to Vegas. Yeah, I, I don't understand, but now they've they've catered to that. We, you know, um, the hotel had a kind of a bar pool, and they had kind of a family oriented pool. And I guess you know whatever pays their bills, and if they're going to be family friendly, if if that pays the bills, I guess that pays the bills. But um, don't complain when you got a drunk guy dropping the f bomb uh, in the hotel because your kid's there. Well, now. Vegas, I just always just thought Vegas just wasn't for kids. So I agree. Um, and now we're seeing it move back to the Sin City aspect. More and more hotels 
are going to 21 years and above. Right, Del Cortez, which is has a great historical significance in Vegas, simply went 21 and over. This I think the other day, this Friday. I will tell you a story about the El Cortez. Just that was just amazing that you just pulled that out of thin air. My uncle, um, who was blind, uh, was a blind chiropractor, lived in Missouri, and um, every year, or twice a year, or three times a year, he would go. He and his his driver would go to the El Cortez, and that's where they would stay because it was small enough they could get around easy. It wasn't so loud that it affected his hearing where there's all that hearing distraction and he really enjoyed it. So anyway, we were at the El Cortez. We stayed there a couple nights and uh, Frank says, I want to go over to the slot machines against that wall. And he pointed, we were sitting at the bar and he knew his direction against that wall. And I said, there are no slot machines against that wall. He says, no, no, no. He says, you're looking at the wrong spot. Take me. He, he, says, he said, fuck it. Just take me over to that wall and I want to play the slot machines. There's a real good slot machines over there. And so anyway, I said, okay. So anyway, uh, he knew the way. So he walked over and uh, I said, this is nothing but a brick wall. He said, bullshit. So he starts feeling and soon enough, sure enough, it's a brick wall. Well, about that time that had attracted uh, some security. And so security come over and says, may I help you gentlemen? And my uncle said, yeah. He says, uh, I, uh, I'm blind. And he says, I've, I've been coming here for 10 years. And he says, every time I'm here, I play these slot machines against this wall. Now, where are they? And the guy says, we took them out two weeks ago. Hmm. Anyway, uh, that, uh, uh, and then he bought some horror, a grasshopper at the bar. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, she says, I like big men like you. And he says, do you want a horror? I said, no, no. So anyway, even I think it's gonna probably bite me a whore, but I didn't need one. And so anyway, yeah. So the El Cortez was um, <clears throat> an easy hotel for him to get around in. It was right downtown, right on the um, old Vegas part. And, yeah. Oh, uh, Fremont, I think. Yeah. Fremont, yeah. And uh, um, I never went back. Stayed there. I didn't give a shit. Uh, when we stayed, oh, a couple years ago, I can't remember where we stayed. MGM, uh, or as Dean Martin used to call the Megum. Uh, and uh, we stayed there and we had some free plays on some Vegas game I played on Facebook. And, and it was really complicated on how to get the free room. And anyway, it was just a pain in the ass. So we, we stayed there to, enough to get the free room and then we went somewhere else after that. So, but uh, anyway, that's, yeah, the El Cortez, that's, that's kind of a cool story. Because try to try my, I have headquarters hotel. I have the downtown Grand. I would highly recommend that downtown Grand Grand for you. It's a great place. And then um, I remember we played, um, and we were at the Four Queens. I remember okay. we just kind of walked around. See, he didn't, he didn't, of course, drive, and he was used to walking all the time. I was like, oh yeah, I can't stand walking. But he was used to walking, and he'd put that cane on the street, and there'd be cars stopping a block away. Uh, for the blind guy, and, and he'd cross the street and have fun. And he played, uh, we actually, it was 1985 we were there, and he was big into horse handicapping. Okay. And they had a tournament at Caesar's Palace, and um, he finished in fifth place at uh, oh, Caesar's really? Palace. Yeah, I don't know how much money he won. I couldn't remember how much money. He did hit a, a slot machine jackpot of 2100 bucks when I was there, so that was kind of wow. cool. So, uh, but I went, I went to, um, we were staying at, at that point in time, we were staying at Caesars and, um, I left him with a Kino girl cause he liked to play Kino and I hated the game. And anyway, I went across the street to the Imperial palace to watch the Elvis impersonator and came back. And there's my uncle surrounded by a bunch of guys with thick necks going, Hey, I think we should bet on the ponies. And, uh, <laughs> and so anyway, uh, I said, Frank, you doing okay. He says, Doing just fine, my friend. And, and there's all these guys with thick necks and and uh, probably a guy named Puffy uh, standing there, too. But anyway, but uh, yeah, it was amazing you brought that up. So, but yeah, yeah he was big into horse handicapping. So, um, the El Cortez will be featured in my book we're running out now called Like an Onion, which is the history of the Vegas skim. Ah, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the subject at hand, if you know. 
Um, we're here kind of to talk a little bit about uh, the mafia or the mob in uh, involved in porn. And uh, yes, what, what's your background on that? Well, I'm sorry to say it's an interesting subject because once you get into it, you realize they've been involved for some time, right? And we got the classical pop culture stories of deep throat movies like that. But mob goes way back long ago from the time of the single reels, even the from the silent films, they did, you know, pornography. And then it, obviously the talkies came about whole nine yards, 50s, 60s. It started, it's still going on today. The sad thing is that we now know for a fact that the mafia not only does the porn that most people might see once in a while, right? But they're big into non-judicial pornography, the vicious, mean, cruel stuff, such as child stuff films. You know, when I first heard about it, I thought it was a rumor, right? But sad to say, no, it actually exists. So I can't really get into that because I my stomach can't take it. I can I can read and I can write about stuff like Deep Throat and other films like that. But other stuff I can't handle. So I have to touch it a little bit at a time. It's incredibly wild. Right, right, certainly. Hey, let's go to Cartrell. Cartrell, how are you doing tonight? Um, okay. Good. Do you have a question for Wayne? Um, yeah, like, well, this is just a general question, but do you think like the mafia's power has waned? Because, you know, let's be honest, more vicious groups like the Russians and the the Mexicans have kind of taken over over time. Yes, sir. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. The mafia still has its place, but doesn't hold a candle to the cartels. It tells I've invested billions of dollars in this country, and they can tell the mafia what to do and when to do it. No doubt about it. No doubt about that at all. I mean, yeah, because I remember this one story I heard, like when John Gotti was locked up in like a California prison or something, like he had to go to like the Aryan Brotherhood to like, you know, get this guy beat up because he couldn't do it himself. No, right. I mean, when Gotti went to prison um, for the rest of his life, he had to pay the Aryan Brotherhood money to protect him. Absolutely. Yeah. Because he was hard, a big target in his back. Um, uh, let's go to um, Alex. And Alex, do you have a question for, uh, for Wayne? Yeah. Um, I was wondering, when it comes to like the mafia, is there a difference uh, of like, how they approach uh, the porn industry from like the uh, mafia in the uh, U.S. versus like the Japanese mafia versus the Chinese mafia? Yeah. Um, they all are in it to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting is that the Russians, per se, are way more than human trafficking. They do a lot of human trafficking from Eastern Europe into the Netherlands. So should you go to the Netherlands and, and partake in the red light district there and you date a somebody from the Ukraine or someplace in Eastern Europe, the odds are they're most likely not there with their own free will, but have been trafficked there. Now in the Netherlands and Germany as well, one of the way because they do health checks to try to get those women out of those situations, but their pimps are very strongly involved it's hard to get away once you get sucked in that system. Mm-hmm. So once you get control of the Russian map, you're there forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're vicious, vicious people. Oh, I bet. Um, and then another question I have, um, there's all this uh, discussion about like decriminalization, legalization of prostitution and whatnot. What do you think would be the answer to um, lessening the uh, mob's power in this uh, sort of industry? Good question. Um, I think we see a lot of that going on now with OnlyFans because a woman there of age can do what they want to do, right? They don't have to be controlled. Um, It doesn't indeed weaken the mafia and that sort of thing. Sadly enough to say, they do have their thumbs in the massage parlors. They do have their thumbs in the movie theaters like that still exists, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, the most violent things that occurred with the mafia happened in Chicago when they fought over the porn studios. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least 40 people died. Rest, um, movie theaters were burned to the ground. Homes were blown up. It was a, it was a very rough time. That was between the uh, years of 1960 and, say, 85. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chicago, the outfit did not play. In New York, the five families did not play when it came to monography. Those were big wars. There's a lot of money involved. When you have a lot of money, 
a lot of powerful people want that money, things tend to get violent in a hurry. Sure, sounds like it. Thank you. You're welcome. At, um, the, the movie or the TV, HBO show called The Deuce featured a lot of uh, uh, the control of the of the various um, booths that they had uh, of the various porn shops uh, in New York. Did you ever uh, see that movie or the, the TV series? I, did, I, saw, I saw the HBO show. Yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah, it's a good film. I highly recommend it. Um, in fact, uh, if you're interested in the, the porn wars in Chicago, a book I would highly recommend is called Nobody Cares and What I Did About It. Uh, the book was written by a man was involved with the outfit as an associate, owned a couple of theaters and a couple of gay bars, and he was leaned on by the, by the mafia to check out outfit for protection money. He would then take to go to the FBI and offer to turn them in because he didn't like what they're doing. It's highly recommend, I highly recommend that book. Um, there's also a Facebook group by the same name where the guy that wrote the book talks about his experiences in the mafia. Highly recommend it. Alex, anything else? Um, not that I can think of off the top of my head. And you were going to have some uh, friends join us, but of course it's Easter. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I always have that too. Yeah, let me know when that is. Let me know when that is. And nobody shows up. So we, oh, oh, for yeah, sure. It's a big thing. You know, what, what part of, um, of the, uh, how, how accurate do you think it was in the deuce where that sort of thing happened with the mob? Well, the... the which is, it did happen. It happened frequently. Some of the people mentioned in that movie, some of them with fake names, did occur. Um, the five families were thick as flies when it came to Times Square. It was going on there. People were paid off to be able to stay open. People were paid off not to be leaned on worse. Right? It was not a time to be in the pornography business. What's more interesting is when you look at the people behind the movie show, movie The Deuce, right? That's kind of wild. Because um, this whole thing with Maggie, what she went through with some of the actors, like James Franco, I think was, was the guy's name, that was accused by some people of being me like uh, involved in the Me Too movement, right? Not doing the right thing by the girls, right? I mean, this gets really weird, but it happens on the industry. Even today, even Christ, if I may, and I apologize, my voice is acting up. Um, if you look at history, you look at the guy by the name of Johnny um, Roselli, a.k.a. Johnny Handsome. He was way back in the end of the day in the 40s and 50s involved in turning out movie stars, Horkus, without a doubt. There's all kinds of that stuff going on. That, that, that's, some people say so goes on today. Okay. All right. Yeah, it was uh, Annie Sprinkle had quite a bit to do with that movie. She went out there and helped uh, the people with that. And uh, I know it was kind of interesting to now I look back and I met more people. Uh, I mentioned Eric Edwards, and they had mentioned uh, John Seaman uh, as part of uh, their show. It's kind of interesting that you know when they talk about early days of porn and those names kind of came through yeah. uh, at, at an awards show. You know, it's kind of kind of cool to see that. And they're like, "Hey, I know those people." So anyway, you know, uh, what a history involved? What a history Times Square? Absolutely. Yeah. Just talk to. Uh, all I talked to. Eric Edwards at least once a week and just talked to John Seaman about two weeks ago. And so uh, he's going to be on our short list of people to meet when I go back out to California um, in a couple, uh, after the first year. Alex, you have your hand up again? Uh, I'll unmute you here. Yeah, as soon as I heard uh, uh, John Seaman, I always thought it was like, you can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was wondering, um, how did you get started uh, you know, investigating like mobs type stuff or sure. like that, how that interest started. Well, I grew up in, in Madison, Wisconsin, right? Mm -hmm. I heard, heard about Milwaukee having their own godfather. So that got me interested looking in Milwaukee. Even Madison, of all places, had an active mafia influence with massage parlors back in, say, I lived in Madison until 82. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can walk on straight to the massage parlors and they're open. You know, strip bars are open. They get their girls. They're run by the mafia. Okay. Um, in like your research for all these books and whatnot, um, have you ever like been contacted by you know individuals from like families basically <laughs> to say like you know hey back off yes, sort of in stuff? fact I met my um, I can't pronounce Frank's last name, but I met his son. 
we did a free showing for people in Racine, right? He came down with his friends and he threatened me. And he threatened my uh, director. Now, I'm an old man, right? I'm not the best of health. And he is older than I am. We've been two old men fighting. My um, director was a wrestler in college. He's about 35 and built like a power plug. That would have been a short fight, mm-hmm. right? But again, he's back. Yeah, he's used to, a lot of people in my life are no more than bullies, right? He mm-hmm. thought he could bully me. He can't bully me. I got nothing. What's going to do? Beat me up. Okay. So, you know, but he was there performing for his friends. That's all it was. He yelled at me for five, 15 minutes. If you would have kept, kept to, if you wouldn't have been quiet after we asked him to leave, we would have called the cops. End of the story. I mean, he was once a very powerful man involved with the skin himself. Not so much now. I mean, his father died back in the 80s. I, I, um, he doesn't have anything. His, his law licenses was revoked. And so his apartment buildings, he was very much hand to mouth. He doesn't have much left in his life. That makes sense. Um, so uh, what's the uh, main for lack of a better term, hustle with the mob nowadays then? Because I think, that, like, from what I understand, DVD and the, uh, well, the internet basically can't kill the porn industry quite a bit. So. Well, the porn, um, mafia makes its money in pornography many ways. Mm-hmm. It's still distributed. A lot of the films are distributed through the mob or mob front companies. Mm-hmm. Also, a lot of movie studios that cater to the mob, cater to pornography, in my opinion, are backed by the mafia. It's a good way to get money to start your business is get it through them. Now, they don't charge as high interest rates as one would think they do, but they get that piece of the puzzle, that, that, that piece of your business, which allows them to make that income for, for forever. Well, it's really lucrative. I mean, there's a lot of money to be made in pornography. A lot of money. Um, other things they get involved, loan sharking, but it's kind of hard to, the mafia lost a lot of power because the state started taking over those businesses. I mean, say Wisconsin, there's, God, it's at least five lottery tickets I can buy. You know, I mean, so the gambling's kind of gone that way because I can go to the grocery store and I can buy a lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. You know, I can go and get a car loan. I can pay the day loan, pay 3,000% interest. It's legal. I get, you know, so what's hell? So what can the mafia do? Not much of anything. They sold the construction. They do sell that. And you would, um, do you live in New York State by chance? I uh, know. I live in Minnesota. Okay. Okay. Um, and Buffalo, New York, they're going to build a $2 billion stadium. $2 billion is the beat, right? So let's say you have to submit contract for that stadium. Let's say it's worth four or $500 million. Let's say you have to give 5% of that money to a mafia also. So nothing happens on the job. Yeah, they're making good money. Good money. So if you had to bet, where do you think Jimmy Hoffa is? Detroit. He's in Detroit. He was in probably Lionsville. I think he was killed the same day he disappeared. I think they put him in a car and kind of packed his car. They put that car either in a landfill or in some place in a, you know, in a car dump. Nobody will find him. Okay, cool. Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, the uh, the rumor I kept hearing was like under Giant Stadium or whatnot. Oh, I mean, um, Jenny half I would be practical rumor for the rest of our lives, even my kids' life, my grandkids' life, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a good podcast I write highly recommend it's called The Original Gangsters. Mm-hmm. A lot of shows on Jimmy Hoffa. They round table about with the whole some FBI agents and Department of Justice people and talk mm-hmm. about Jimmy Hoffa and what probably happened to him, and they literally, clearly how they got rid of the body. They didn't take him to Giant Stadium. They didn't take him to Florida. They didn't take him to Canada, of all places. They got rid of him in Detroit. Because why, you can take something dead by body across state lines from Detroit to New York, which is what must be day drive, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when you can kill him and put him in a carpet, take him to a car, compact the car, no mess, don't bother. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. For sure. Well, Thank we'll, you. We'll, we'll claim that the Grays took Jimmy Hoffa in the mothership. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what the ancient aliens guy would probably say. That's right. 
I, I think I think we got. I think we got. I think we're gonna get booked there. We're gonna do a movie too. I mean, the guy's probably hurting for money because that you know, series is probably over. So you could probably get him to you know commit to that for probably fairly cheap. Right. And nice thing too is about what I'm talking about. There's all kinds of information that you can find online, libraries. Like library, the government does a really good job making these papers and information available. Nobody asks for them, right? Mm-hmm. So we all can take that time, look at the different things we're interested, just find out what we know, find out new information, and share that information. That's what I do. I'm no expert. The one thing I think I'm good at is finding the information and sharing it. For sure. You know, that's what I like to do. I'm not, I'm never going to claim I'm an expert because I'm not. Well, you know more about this subject than I do. Oh, that's for sure. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. You bet. Uh, Cartrell, anything else? Um, well, yeah. What I wanted to say is, like, did you, have you ever met any, like, the famous mafia guys, like, uh, I don't know, like, anybody, local guys from Milwaukee or something? Yeah. Um, uh, Frank's son. I met Frank's son. He's from Milwaukee. He was once, um, he was once the lawyer record for Argent Corporation that owned the Sardust and other hotels, casinos in Vegas. He was connected with that. He was connected with the skim. I met him, which is in Fortune Meeting, which I discussed earlier. Um, I met, um, I've had ex souls on my podcast before. Um, um, people that were even infiltrated as part of the FBI sting operations or members of the mafia themselves that before in their lives. I'll give some credit to people who were once part of the mafia, maybe they went to jail, maybe they didn't, but gave up that life and reformed their lives and really made good successes of themselves. It does say that anybody that wants to change, have a positive outlook in their life and works hard at it, amazing things can and do happen. Okay, sounds good. What uh, what sort of crowds do you get in like, this live stream, this Milwaukee Mob live stream? Is there a website for that? How do we find that? Uh, you find <laughs> Get Bulky, which is changing the platform, is findable online. If you went to, I think if you typed in Get Bulky, Milwaukee Mob would find the link um, to that show. I try to post the link to my Twitter account, and I'm, I live on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at the Milwaukee Mob, and I'm Twitter. You can follow me, and I live on Twitter. Best way to get hold of me. Um, and I try to post the links there. As well, um, sometimes I'm better at it than, I, than others. I try to post it up to my webpage too, which is themilwaukeemob.com. Okay, I want to get this written down so we can uh, promote it in our link after the show. So if those people who didn't make it tonight can uh, check that, they can look at that, they can find out where you reside at, and where all your stuffs at. So, and uh, you have you have books on Amazon, books uh, Amazon eBooks. Yes, all my books have e-books, right? In fact, um, 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 Mr. Ellis, Mr. Big is only an e-book. Um, Dark Minds, Bloody Hands is only an e-book. Um, everything else can be found out in paperback or um, e-book. My oh. next books, my next two books, one coming up with the Buffalo, the Mafia in Buffalo, and the one coming up with the Vegas Skim will be up come the fall and those both be paperback and ebook well speaking of buffalo we have the one and only Sean Elliott. <laughs> hello i'm still trying to get in here hi guys you, you, hi. you got in the right time we're just talking about the two billion dollar uh stadium they're going to build in buffalo uh you don't want to go this show's going to have to be three hours long patrick <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the biggest Bills fan, I think, ever. Are you from Buffalo, Wayne? No, sir. I'm writing a book about the Buffalo Mafia, though. I'm sorry. I missed that. I'm writing a book about the Buffalo Mafia. I'm not from Buffalo. Oh, about the Buffalo. Oh, I got you. Okay. The real Buffalo. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, a pleasure to meet you. I'm sorry I came on late, so I'm not going to speak much. I'll try to catch up a little bit, but happy Easter, uh, happy Passover, and whatever you celebrate or not. And yeah, go Bills, Patrick, big time. And uh, good to be here. Good to well, listen we, in and find out what's going on. I'm sorry we, I'm late. That's all right. We've discussed a lot, but uh, Wayne was talking about uh, uh, the stadium and, and whatnot as far as well, how, how that could be uh, 
I mean, Buffalo's fast, and you have that judge that walked in front of a train, right? I'm, I'm getting something on the sound, but I heard you say it's fascinating because what? I'll try to hear better. You have a judge, a local judge, a state judge, yeah. walked in front of a train, supposedly oh. trying to commit suicide. He said he didn't try to commit suicide. It was a slip and fall. About, about three weeks ago, he did decide to blow his brains out. This is somebody in Buffalo? Yeah. And, uh, that's something to do with the stadium? No, well, they don't know yet. They're looking into him bad, big time, because it's also connected to that strip club that happens to have a DH. The strip club, which I can't think of the name of, forgive me. It's okay. Not only has their security run by members of a motorcycle gang, right, but have connections to a DH who's facing fertile charges for being corrupt, all in the vicinity of Buffalo. And then, of course, you got the links from Buffalo Syndicate, that well, goes all the way back to Magadino. Absolutely. But the links they have to Canada and the Canadian Mafia. And they want to tell me that the, the Buffalo Mafia is dead. Sure it is. I got you. It's, it, well, if you're talking about that, when I was a little kid 100 years ago, if you're familiar with that, it, it sounds like you're very familiar with it. Again, I apologize for not researching the background, but I'm picking up some neat stuff. Um, you know, the Como restaurant, Niagara Falls, that's where I was born, Niagara Falls, New York. And the boys used to hang out there. And I would go into the restaurant, seven, eight years old, and my parents would dress me up in a red jacket and a bow tie. And uh, Stefano Magdino would sit me on his lap and call me, hey, bring in red jacket. Speaking of which, happy Easter, Easter weekend. And he would say, uh, you know, and, and when I went to college in Miami, and my dad was not, my dad was a jeweler, but he was, you know, they took care of their own, but he it's a small town in the late 50s, early 60s. When I went to college, there was a guy that retired from the syndicate and moved down to Miami. I went to Miami. My dad gives me his phone number. He says, guy, Don Mantell. He said, God forbid, Steve, you ever get in trouble. This is the number you call. So I always felt very comfortable in the city because we had nothing to worry about. We were regular civilians, you know, vanilla civilians, but do some people. But that sounds like an interesting, I'm liking you already. <laughs> it sounds very interesting what, what you got going on. It's Are you an author? Chicago. I mean, Buffalo goes all the way back to O.J. Simpson. You used to see him around at the, at the clubs, too. And, yeah, uh, yeah. O.J. Simpson, the clubs, their connection to the NFL players, and a little bit of party stuff. I know where you're going. Yeah. Huh. And then, you know, Jim Kelly had his big club and there was a lot of shit going on even in the nineties and they're going to Super Bowls, but you know, I don't want to say hypothetically Bruce Smith and Biscuit and all the, and there was a lot of stuff going on. Oh, yeah. and, and no, no, Rick no. James, Rick James too. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is that does, the idea is that the mafia, there's a history that we know about history that we know nothing about. I love digging the history that we don't know about. Because I find absolutely fascinating. There's a lot to do with what goes on today. It makes total sense in the world. I, I remember the line, and then I, I'm, I'll back off, but I remember the line, you all know it, from um, Godfather 2, and Pacino was with uh, my, my teacher, uh, uh, Lee Strasberg, playing Hyman Roth, playing what's-his-name, I can't remember the real guy's name, uh, said we're bigger than U.S. Steel. I mean, I, that's it. I mean, so who knows? It's so clouded. It's incredible. I mean, the, I mean, you look at the mafia and what it did for this country, right? It did incredible things. It made a lot of my people a lot of money. A lot of people a lot of money. Yes. Uh, it's one of the things we found out too researching the Buffalo Mafia is links that has to Vegas. And the industry things going on in Vegas, I said, what we think would be the scam or illegal activities like that. No, they have a thing about setting up um, what they call boiler rooms for fraud, for phone fraud, and healthcare fraud. God, healthcare fraud is a big thing. And now you have yeah. that $2 billion stadium with unions involved, no offense meant to union members, right? Who, of course, need healthcare. I wonder so you're kind of tying it into like when I lived in New York, tying it into like you couldn't build a building without going through the cement contractors, which were connected. Absolutely. So you're saying maybe with this stadium, 
And then Mayor Holshaw, I mean, thank God for people like me that are Bills fans in Buffalo, that, that Mario was gone because you had, it was perfect for Buffalo that all of a sudden the one that's mayor now, uh, or governor, what, gov, governor of New York, she's from Buffalo. No. Yeah, Hoshel, she's a Buffaloni. <laughs> so that was a done deal the day that Mario Como, so tell me why Mario's really gone if you want to go down that uh, uh, hole. So now Hoshel's from Buffalo and that money was, it was sealed, signed, and delivered as soon as she took over. Yeah. I mean, no other person has ever gotten $800 million from the state <laughs> for the stadium, right? Francis, and to me, you don't look at twice at these things. I, mean, I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, right? We built the Brewers' stadium. We built the Bucks' stadium, right? Nobody asked the taxpayers. We wrote them the checks, right? When it comes to both teams, they also wrote the bus lines not to go through the inner city. Because the last thing these teams want is have the primarily the white high prime ticket holders put up with poor black kids. But yet it's the black youth that were told to get all these jobs. No, they're being kept away from these jobs. Very interesting. I'm glad I got, got this half up. <laughs> and I just want to say before you move on, Patrick, hey buddy, happy Pesach. How you doing, friend? In the bottom right, Herschel. Hey Sean. Hey, How are you? I'm good, man. Good to see your good. face. Good to see you, man. Good, you too. When you go, when you go to Chicago next week? The twenty uh, Wednesday, whatever that is, twenty eighth. I want to say Yeah, twenty seventh. That's great. I, I I hope at some point you'll put me on a Zoom call so I could see you having sex that I'm not having. That'd be great. Hi, <laughs> <Bye>, honey. <laughs> You know, I you, you know, I, I went from porn legend to voyeur. It's pathetic. Really. <laughs> you're always a legend in my book, and you're a good guy, and you're a good friend. And I Thanks, plan man. I'm going to California to see you. That's good, man. Me, Patrick you. and I talked. That's on a bucket too, list. Too, 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 too bad we didn't know each other before. But uh, oh man, we were be, better late than never, man. Better late yeah. than never. Yeah, you know, that's crazy. You got my heart. Yeah, how you doing, Pat? Hey, we're doing good. We're talking about uh, the mob and the mafia, and uh, let's talk about New York. Let's talk talk about the early days um, of adult entertainment. And Herschel, was the the mob or mafia or anything like that involved in any of any of your projects? Uh, they were. Uh, first off, uh, hello Wayne. I'm Herschel. <laughs> I, I'm uh, just for a brief. Uh, uh, clarity on my part. So, so what is your knowledge of the mob concerning, just in general or adult entertainment? As More well? general than I'm digging into do the adult topics now. As I do a book, try to start the research, a book on the mafia and choreography. As I stated earlier in the program, sir, I have to do it in bits and pieces because you open up a lot of rabbit holes in a hurry, and some of them are really disgusting. As in child subfilms right so um so so anyway my my um i i actually um my experience with the mob and was not um really detailed except the mob controlled the bookstores and the bookstores primarily ran the business i mean that's where everything the genesis deep throat everything else it was yeah. a, it was a hand over fist cash and at one, uh, there were a few shoots where I would show up. And of course, back then in the seventies, I mean, it wasn't any class act, you know, it was like, you know, no one came from behind the curtain, but you'd show up and there'd be guys in running suits with diamond pinky rings. And, you know, I would, I'm a friendly guy. So I'd say, Hey, uh, how are you? I didn't know who the hell they were. And, and they'd mumble to me, you know, it wasn't like great to meet you, you know, but, um, I actually worked the live sex shows at Show World Center on Eighth uh, Avenue, off Forty Second Street, and that was completely mob controlled. That was a big money uh, the yeah. Show World Center, and I I just remember, uh, you, you know, they expected you to go on stage six times a day, and have sex for twenty minutes while a raincoat crowd cheered you on, or what we consider cheering it really wasn't cheering it was more like drooling but um uh, you know they they had no 
situation where they they confronted me or said you got to do this you got to do that except one time i hope i'm not boring anyone one one particular show i did this scene with a a, a black woman i'd never met before that was the best thing about live shows you never met these people before and all of a sudden you're having sex it was like the perfect date situation so so we we're having sex on this piano bench it's like a, a piano bench so this is the set we're working on and she had her period so my penis was covered with blood so anyway i'm like 23 years old it's like all right what the hell at the end of the show one of the the big guys said to me at the time you can't do that man you can't you know i was like i said i don't know what to say you know anyway so he let it go but uh as far as as far as my own experience i had a i guess what you would call a personal friend in the business named smitty he was a uh he was like a a technical guy that rounded up cameras and everything else and one of the guys we shot loops for which were short sex scenes was bill lux and smitty and him were a team and smitty mouthed off to somebody from what i understand and he was never seen again so that was my experience in terms of seeing somebody offed and never spoken of again which was kind of sad i mean kind of you got to be kind of stupid to mouth off to a mob guy anyway but uh Herschel, wasn't that smitty i didn't know you were that close wasn't that should really talk to Larry Ravine about this stuff. Yeah, Larry, but no, yeah, Larry, yeah, yeah. but but they were uh, what he also. It was about getting the film the films out. That's their big control was. You're not putting this out. We're taking over the movie. Yeah, the film itself, like a Detroit or maybe one of your films. I was a couple years later. I think it lightened up a little. But but these guys offed. I might have been this. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they had anything to do with distribution. It was pretty much. Uh, there this. was somebody uh, that was killed. And uh, uh, Bill, Bill, Bill Lux was, you know, he did his scenes. He, he, and I don't know his distribution arm, but as okay. far as Smitty goes, I'm just sure Smitty was a overconfident guy who, uh, who thought else. he was a boss. And he just, you know, it's first off to kill somebody for mouthing off pathetic to begin with. But uh, as we know from the story of Sammy the Bull, I mean, he, he uh, uh, what was his name? De Benedetto? I mean, uh, the, he was. De Benedetto. Yeah. yeah, he was. He was the big guy. I never met him, but. Uh, I worked but for appara him. Apparently, uh, Sammy just fucking killed him to take the business over, man. Because he was, as far as I know, even with Gotti, he was well respected. He didn't fuck with anybody. And Sammy just, you know. You know, he's, it's exciting to listen to Sammy the Bull stories, but when you think about it, he was a cold-blooded fucking murderer, man. Twenty-three people. You know, I, 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 I can't, uh, I can't fathom how this guy can. And then he had a radio. Well, so. his own brother-in-law. I mean, it's like, come on, man. Twenty-three people. But, well, a fourteen-year-old boy got got to get on a free card, went to Arizona, decided to sell drugs. Yeah, quite and funny. Wayne, there was I was offered with uh, this guy from California. Um, oh, Hirsch, what was the uh, the guy that brought all the talent in? Famous, he died a couple years ago. His pictures with you in him, space in my mind. Show, uh, out in the valley, what was this place? Oh, you mean Jim South? Jim South. So Jim brought some people in, girls, but he brought a couple of guys in. One guy's name was Jamie St. John. You mean to yeah. New York, he's saying? He brought him to New he, York? He brought him from California. Brought in Tammy okay. Lamb, brought in Jamie St. John and some people. I, that's when I first got in the business and I shot those movies in the Catskills we talked about. And um, this Jamie St. John stayed with me. Him and Tammy Lamb and this other guy, I don't remember his name. They would be in front of Bernard's. They would hook guys coming out of the Gaiety Burlesque and stuff for some bucks at night. because They were broke. They were kids from California, young, hung, and broke. And uh, he comes to me one day and he goes, would you mind getting like burned with spoons? I got a gig. And I'm going, what the fuck? What are you talking about, dude? You know, I'm 10 years older than this guy. I've just divorced my wife. <laughs> I'm just trying to make dick felt. And uh, the guy he was talking about, would it would be like, it wasn't snuff films, but it was like, it would burn you and stuff like this. But at the time, and so this would have been 81, 82, we had heard 
that there was actual stuff films going on that now I've never seen one. You're talking about drug use now, right? A no, snuff, snuff films. Boom, boom. Oh, snuff, <laughs> snuff. Oh. Yeah. And in the early 80s, now I've never seen it. I never heard of anybody, but it was in, the, it was permeating the air. I heard you know about what I mean? It, I heard it was it there. So there was people that yeah. would say to like actresses, don't go on this shoot. Know your director. Know the production. Yeah. I, I don't know personally of anyone that actually was a part of something like that and disappeared. I, I, no. I never heard of, uh, fortunately, because that would have been, you know, I would have never, of course, partaken. It would be like, uh, Herschel, we're doing this scene. It's a little dramatic. Don't worry about it. We're going to pay you $350. The girl is going to be in one scene, and then you'll never see her again. I might have said, oh, gee, okay. No, I would have never done that. <laughs> some, fucking, some people, you know, there's, there's, there's no depth to the, to the horrible uh, personalities that populate our world. You know, it's just when you can sacrifice somebody's life because they have no value to you, you really have no value to anyone, including yourself. So uh, anyway, I could never Getting go back to what Herschel, this Vince Benedetti, Astoria Studios, the studios that he had, uh, there was always guys there in the back, and usually the guy's son. There'd be a teenage son, and you'd be doing your shit, the son's sitting there, and you're worried about the actresses, because you don't know, you know I, I would go home, or go out, and, be, and I'm sure Herschel, well, he's in California mostly, but in New York, we would go do our own thing. We had our regular, you get on the E-train, after go home. But there were people around there. I just, uh, but I, I do remember Larry Ravine in his book mentioned a lot of that stuff. He was a great cinematographer. Yeah, he, should, he, should be, he should be on this show, really. He yeah, he, he, this, is, this is right up his alley. So remember that name if you don't know him. Yeah, I can't believe, I'm, uh, I, can't believe you, you, I went to California in 79, so we never crossed paths in that whole time, Sean. That's unbelievable. <laughs> we have a lover's spat. I know. I'm still pissed off about it. Well, you would, you would have freaked out if you came to California. It was, it was nothing better. It was amazing. It was like a whole new world, man. Because yeah. you have to, I don't know, maybe you had a, a great experience working in New York. To me, it was a sleaze fest, piece of shit people. I hated it. But California was like a, the rainbow came out. And, <laughs> and, and a little voice in my head said, you're really doing something good with your life, Herschel. <laughs> it's yeah, art. But, it's art. But the, but the girls were hot. It was great. Yeah. I, I can't believe we missed each other too. But you know, my mind probably would have been a few years later because at that time I was in the, I, I needed New York. I needed the filth in that dirt. No, I, 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 got, I got you. But I, I, I needed Jamie it. Gillis next to me, and I needed Plato's. Yeah. I needed all that shit. But, I, but I, I'm, I'm sure I would have hit it off with you because you're a nice person and you're kind of normal. <laughs> really. But, um, and, you know, anyway. So uh, Anyway, good, good to see you, too. But I hope that helps, Wayne. But Larry Rubin keeps coming to my mind as far as guys that knew people. He keeps coming mm -hmm. to my mind. Yeah, uh, Wayne has a website called the Milwaukee. No, it's called MilwaukeeMob.com, and he's found on Twitter at the Milwaukee Mob. So if you ever want to reach out to Wayne, just hit him up. Uh, he says he lives on Twitter. I and, live on Twitter. Uh, Trust me, I live on Twitter. Uh, the Milwaukee Mob at on Twitter. Can, can I just ask a quick? Can I just ask a quick question? So, uh, so Wayne, you're familiar with uh, Ruben Sturman, I'm assuming, right? No, sir. Tell me about him. Okay. Well, well. Um, Cleveland is a uh, part of Milwaukee, correct? No, Cleveland's got to be bored. No, Cleveland's quite a ways right. away from Milwaukee. It's a good okay. hours. Okay, all right. Well, Ruben Sturman was the person who um, started selling porno magazines and tapes out of the back of his car in the 60s. He linked up with the mob and became the most powerful player in pornography from the 70s through the time he was incarcerated. And I'm not going to go into the whole story, but he was estimated to be worth $400 million. You should know about him because he was seriously mob-connected. Uh, you know, Ruben no, Sturman. Thank you for the name. I really appreciate knowing the name. S-T-U-R-M-A-N, Ruben Sturman. You need to... His story is an amazing... They should do a movie about this guy because... Uh, I'd be happy to do a book. So with us or he pass? Oh, he's passed now at least 15 years. 
and as his son turned state ev state's evidence against him, he was he was hiding gold bars overseas and shit. Oh, well, one kind of a guy. I got to do a book on him. Oh, I this to do guy. A book on him. Ruben Sturman is the guy you need to research. Uh, Pat, do I have a do I have like uh, thirty seconds for one quick story? Oh, you got yeah, you got uh, yeah. Okay, all right. Anyway, so here's a Ruben Sturman story. Okay, so so when I say the guy was worth like half a billion dollars, I'm not joking. This is serious, serious money. Okay, so uh, and uh, I actually worked for him at, when I retired in 1987 for ten years. I worked in. Uh, a company called Vidco, which was a, a distribution of porno tapes. But here's the story. So, um, so the great thing about Ruben Sturman, I don't know about great thing, he the government could never indict him on income tax evasion, which was their their it was the it, it, it was the Al Capone thing. They that was their big thing. They could never get this guy, and he thumbed his nose at the Justice Department on the steps of Washington, D.C. This guy was like hated, despised. They finally, finally got a case to take to court. And he was married to this, maybe his third wife, a young, beautiful woman. And they they attempted to tamper with the jury. Okay, so here's the deal. So Reuben Sturman has his wife approach one of the jurors that they thought would have been able to flip and what do you think they offered this guy? This guy, it's worth $400 million. $50,000 he offered the guy. $50,000. The fucking guy didn't do what he was supposed to. And the, and the case went against Thurman. He went to jail. Finally, he escaped jail. You got to read his story. He escaped jail, was finally caught. And... Uh, it's an amazing story, the Ruben Sturman story. It really is. It was like a, one of the most powerful players within the mob who was Jewish. It's an amazing story. Ron. Can't beat that. Yeah. Thank you for that name. I got, I, got, I got some links now for him. I'm going to do that book. Thank you. I'll dedicate that book to you, sir. Right, send me $100. I'll be happy. <laughs> you were talking about, Wayne, you were talking about Buffalo, and I was reminded that... Um, because Magadino actually lived in Niagara Falls, and uh, his cover was a funeral home. Yeah. Magadino's funeral home. I, I'm sorry. I, I have to put my a poker face on because, yeah, it's an interesting thing. It's a funeral parlor. Yeah, it was a funeral parlor. It's still in, I think it's still there. Yeah, it's still there. Well, well, what, was it, what was a funeral parlor, Sean? Wayne was talking about um, Buffalo, New York, and the the new stadium and the and it, when I came on that speaking of Buffalo, so I was jerking off better than I, I in the eighties. I, I said Buffalo, the Bills. We're going to talk, but it's about the building and about connected people. And I grew up there, and uh, my dad was a well-known guy in, in New York in in Niagara Falls. It's you small, grew up in you grew up in Buffalo. I didn't know that okay. Niagara Falls, Buffalo area. Yeah, wow. Like thirteen, and then we moved. Long story for another pizza, another day. But um, so Magadino ran that. He was Joe Bonanno's brother-in-law, actually. I think Magadino's, there's a connection there in marriage. He's the one who actually did the 1957 Appalachian thing. Yeah. And they almost offed him because he set that thing up. And you got mob guys in the Catskills running around <laughs> in the woods where some farmer, uh, Don Knotts cop is, you know, busting him. But the gang that couldn't shoot straight. The yeah. gang that shouldn't shoot straight, right. But the, the point is, in uh, Niagara Falls, uh, he lived like about four blocks from us. And then we moved to Providence, Rhode Island, and I lived on oh. Lewis Street, and three lot, blocks later, Ray Patriarca lives in a small yeah, picket yeah, fence. He lives three blocks from me. A, a, and nobody lot of, would date a, his daughter. A lot of mob. And, uh, you dated his daughter? Sean? I wouldn't date his daughter. His daughter liked me in high school, but I wouldn't date her. God forbid, I'm 17 years old. I, she wants a cigarette, and I don't light her, right? All of a sudden, I'm dead. I don't know. I'm scared out of my mind. You, you could have been somebody, Sean. You, you could have been, been somebody, Sean. You could have been. By the way, I like your shirt, Sean. Beautiful tie-dye there, man. Jerry Garcia, I think, is on this. Very nice. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank, thank you very much. Peace, brother. Yeah. So anyway, quickly, Providence, Rhode Island was a hotbed of mob activity. Uh, are you aware of this, Wayne? Absolutely. Um, Kenny, Kenny Garino, you know the name Kenny Garino? 
Kenny Garino was one of the big mob guys that worked within the porn industry. Very uh, personable fellow, but uh, they would have been all under Patriarca's people in the Sun. That that that's who that's who ran New England. Patriarca family, Ray Patriarca. Google him. And uh, I know Patriarca's. That that's that's who ran it then. He went quick, quick story. Do I have do I have thirty seconds? You've got thirty seconds. So I'm 17 years old in high school. And I had a good friend, Irish kid, Billy Hefner. Billy Hefner is home one day. He's around the block at his girlfriend's house. He's getting a blowjob. Right in a God. This is the story. Getting a blowjob. So I'm sorry, Billy. He's 18 now. He's 18. The girl's like 17. The parents walk in. Boy, you froze up, Herschel. You look very young. <laughs> it's his picture. Um, sorry, man. Sorry. I had to move. All right. Oh, all right. So... So he's getting a blowjob, and uh, the parents come in. The girl doesn't take ownership, freaks out, cries rape. Billy goes to, gets court, and he gets sentenced to like nine months or something. Uh, he got it whittled down and all that to, um, not Cranston, Warwick, Ohio. So the Warwick, Warwick, Rhode Island, there's a, a, a minimum security. Who, thank God, Ray Patriarca was doing some small time at the time for some shit. He didn't care. He owned the prison. So he's sitting there, and, pa and Hefner's parents went to him and said, look, it, they, she, she was, they were having sex, but, and nobody touched them. As soon as they went to Patriarca, they said, don't touch this kid, my friend Billy Hefner. Nobody bothered me. He did nine months full time. That was it. Ate the food and got out because if they had touched him, they would have killed him. I mean, they would have killed whoever touched them. But yeah, I do remember that. Okay. All right. Well, I, that's uh, my story. Wayne, sure. Wayne wants me to give away one of his books, one of his e-books. He will email it to you. And, and as a giveaway, I'm going to have, um, I've got just a suit of cards. I've got 10 cards in my hand. If you pick a number between one and 10, I will draw a card. And the first card that hits your number wins a copy of the book. So everybody hold up. A number between one and ten. I'm doing my second, my second one. My first one was a different one than this, but I'm doing this. Okay. I'm doing, I'm doing five. I'm Cartrell, doing three. Why don't you pick another number, Cartrell? Because I'm not gonna give two away. My first one was seven, by the way. Oh, okay. But I'm doing three. Herschel was five. Sean was three. Three. Okay. What's his card? Eight. Eight. Huh? Nope. He wins. Nine. Two. Cartrell wins a book. Cartrell, uh, I'll reach out, Cartrell. We'll get, your, we'll get your email address. You get a copy of one of those books. Actually, he could get a copy. Give me a postal address. I'll send him a paperback version of Frank. Okay, so uh, okay. we'll get all of Cartrell's information, and, and uh, Wayne will do that. Hey, next week, we're going to be talking Exotica in Chicago. Sean's going to be back with us. And uh, a whole cast of crazies. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about what to expect in um, Exotica in a couple weeks. I think that there may be a change in our booth. I just can't keep up. But anyway. You have musical chairs. Well, it's talented. Your booth. Terrible. Uh, it's just, you know. You know, the highlight of my Chicago trip was uh, being with you, Pat, and Sean, and our steak dinner. That, yeah, night, that, was, nice. that, was a, that was a great fucking steak dinner, man. Wow. Great restaurant. It was good. Good yeah. dinner. Good, well, good you, weren't, you weren't with us on that one, Sean. I don't know where you were. You were probably getting laid. No, I couldn't make it. Yeah, oh, that uh, Chatterbait dinner. Was it Chatterbait dinner? or my No, 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 no. no. Oh, we yeah. went to that high-end restaurant. Yeah. Uh, it was no, right we, next door to our hotel. It was the high-end hotel. I had to eat out somewhere else. We went to Gibson's. Yeah, we went to Gibson's and Sean Gibson's, went somewhere right, else. Right. That was, that was oh, a great meal, Italian. man. I did like the Italian place we went to at that one night. Yes, but... yes, that was good. That was really good. Yeah, yeah. I went to I one no, dinner with no, you. I have no interest in pornography anymore because I'm half dead. But food, love food, man. Love that fucking food. <laughs> anyway. But anyway, uh, we will have... How sad, man. <laughs> We'll have uh, Sean back next week. I do know that uh, James Bartholay will be here. He's bringing 11 gals with him next uh, next week. Now, the next week, a week from today, I'll be coming back from Kansas City. I've been summoned 
by Seika. I'm going to spend the day with her. Oh, I, nice. Give her my love. And she says, we're going to go to the mouse races. So I have no fucking clue what mouse oh. races are. Sean, the Buffalo Bills, man. How can you beat this fucking team? Dude, Josh Allen, again, he's God, man. man. I've been waiting. Got, They're hot. Well, it's the team. What a, what, a, what a playoff game against the Chiefs. That was such a stupid game. Won. They changed the NFL rule because I know. of that. No. Finally. Finally. So, anyway. Please. I know Patrick doesn't care about that, but I'm very pleased about sure. that. We will be back next week, of course, with the Exotica preview show. And uh, that'll be the same time right here on JizzTalking.com. You can also find us on uh, all of the the uh, the podcast platforms. I think I'm on about 17 podcast platforms now. And we're also on JizzTalking.com. Uh, uh, so stop by there. Find us on JizzTalking on Twitter, and you'll be all set with all of our episodes. So we'll talk to everybody next week. Thanks for coming by.